welcome to the Dallas Soccer Show. I'm Dustin Nation, and this episode will serve as our match buildup for both FC Dallas matches against Nashville SC, both here in Frisco. Uh, one on Wednesday night, August 12th, and the other is a quick turnaround on Sunday night, August 16th. We've also got a ton of news to run through before the regular season attempts to get underway. And here to help us get through it all is Jonathan Roz. How's it going, Jonathan? It's going pretty good, Dustin. Um, I'm counting my money, uh, looking at my uh, my MLS's back bracket, and just Breaking waiting. Yeah. Oh, I mean, I can't can't imagine. I, I mean, the chances of me not getting that ten thousand dollars are pretty slim at this point. <laughs> and making his Dallas Soccer Show debut, other than a brief cameo on a match reaction video on our YouTube channel, he writes for Dallas Sports Nation and Third Degree at the same time crazy uh and is always first in line after every match to interview brandon servania or, or is it brian reynolds i forget which one uh it's nico mendez how you doing nico hey dustin i'm doing all right which one is it oh so fc dallas game days it's usually brandon it's a uh, north texas when there is movement between teams it's brian reynolds. <laughs> all right well, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you for having me. All right, so lots of news to get through. Let's just, Jonathan, you alluded to the MLS's back tournament and the bracket and all that stuff. Let's start there. Let's start with maybe some thoughts on on how the tournament went. From my perspective, it's it's trying to predict who was going to win any game uh, was a fool's errand right so i i I sarcastically made a reference to my bracket but uh my my final four was uh skc toronto lafc and columbus none of which uh made the final four so uh it was what you would almost expect for uh, a preseason kind of tournament where uh you know we haven't really seen a lot of these players a lot of these teams play so uh it's been up and down some of the some of the matches have been interesting some of the some of the matches have been kind of snoozers so uh, at least from an entertainment perspective yeah nico you've been too busy putting lasers on sharks uh, or have you actually been able to catch some of the tournament no I'll, I'll put on the game here and there while i'm doing some work but uh it's it's definitely been an interesting tournament thus far i think um to say that if you had any solid idea of who was going to do well in this tournament that's um kind of up up in, up in the air, but uh, it's definitely been a surpriser for me. Yeah i i will I will pat myself on the back. I did say Philly would go far. I had them going farther, but um, they did actually did pretty well. That was like my only prediction, though, because I was cheap and let our other guests make all the good predictions. So you, um, you didn't fill out an official bracket, Dustin. I did not. Too busy moving into the moving my office around my house to to like. Avoid children noises all day. <laughs> um, well, so FC Dallas just made an announcement. MLS made an announcement over on Saturday, August 8th, about the regular season getting underway. And it looks like it's going to get kicked off with FC Dallas and Nashville playing in the uh, little mini two-game tournament ahead of everybody else on on Wednesday. Um Let's let's run through that schedule real quick. It looks like, uh, like I said earlier, Nashville on the 12th and the 6th Sunday, the 16th, 
both at Toyota Stadium. And then FC Dallas travels to Houston on the 21st of August. Then back in Toyota Stadium for a, a home and home stand or a home stand uh, against Colorado on August 26th and Minnesota on August 29th. That's a Wednesday and a Saturday. And then they travel to Kansas City on Wednesday, September 2nd. Then the return leg of the Minnesota uh, matchup on Wednesday, September 9th. And then the last one we know about so far is a home match in Toyota Stadium on September 14th. It's a Monday night against the Houston Dynamo for that Texas Derby El Capitan at stake there. So, Nico, when you saw that schedule, what were your thoughts? Um, so there's definitely been a lot of talk about FC Dallas trying to make up those three games that they missed from the MLS's back tournament. So not too much uh, of a surprise there playing Nashville three times um, with the third kind of being up in the air at the moment. I am interested just to see how those games uh, will go. I think um, you can't not exactly put too much emphasis on those games. I think the players are going to be trying to build up some sharpness uh, pretty quickly while the rest of the league has had some time thanks to this tournament to do so. Um, for it, I think MLS kind of wanted to do something regional-based, having the teams not travel so far. So in terms of opponent selection, it looks like this furthest FC Dallas will have to go, or I guess the team that they'll face that comes the furthest is Minnesota. Um I think the Minnesota team probably, given their performance in the tournament, will uh, be an interesting matchup for FC Dallas there. Yeah, they actually made it pretty far, and and we could we could see uh, Ja'Cory Hayes here in Texas Stadium or Toyota Stadium again. Yeah, and I I, I think with the Ja'Cory, um, great player and all, does really well holding up the ball, kind of. Um, he was described as uh, kind of a glue while he was here at FC Dallas, but just given the talent that FC Dallas has in the midfield, and really that's kind of our, I would say, where we have the most depth. Um, unfortunate circumstance that we have to let Jacory go, but I think he is doing well in Minnesota where his talent can be utilized. Hey, he scored a goal in the tournament. Mm-hmm. Yep. Jonathan, any thoughts on that schedule? Uh, a couple of things pop out. Well, well first, Nico talked about the travel and I know one of the things that was in the overall MLS announcement was that uh, there won't be any commercial flights so it'll all be charter at least for this first group of six uh, six games that each team is playing either either a charter flight or a bus um, grab on get on that bus and go right up 35 all the way to there, Saint Minneapolis St. Paul there, there you go <laughs> um, couple of things kind of weird so one is just the number of of midweek and just strange i mean when's the last time there was a monday game maybe a fourth of july it's just really yeah. unusual um and uh you know no national televised games either right it's all all going to be on txa 21 so uh those of you guys who are using a streaming service make sure you've got your rabbit ears ready to go <laughs> to, so you can watch the match uh but i mean those are those are a couple of things that that jumped out. I don't think anybody was surprised with uh, seeing the two games against Nashville. I think that we'd been hearing rumors of that for a couple of weeks now, um, that uh, FC Dallas would be starting at least one game, potentially a back-to-back against Nashville. For sure, yeah. Not a surprise there. Um, 
you kind of alluded to some of the the safety precautions. So charter flights uh, are actually a thing that are going to be big on that. What other what other things on the protocols or the 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 rules of of getting back to play surprised you? And what what things do you think might be holes in in what they've announced? Well, for me, one thing that jumps out is the just with an, from an FSC Dallas specific perspective is it's one of four teams I think that are going to have any fans in attendance at all across the league um, for the for the home matches. Obviously, some of that is going to be based on local regulations, right? So it's it's allowed in Texas, and I know it's not in a number of other areas. Um, so, I mean, I, I think we're in a in a unique situation here in the Dallas area. Where you know that actually comes into consideration, I think that the you know, most most uh, teams have made the decision to not even have uh, fans if if they even had the decision they could make. Yeah, I know that there have been some talk about well, why don't we just have another bubble, or let's just go bubble up for the rest. Um, I I would say that you'd be hard pressed to get the players to agree to that. They've already been away from their families for a month two months and we're going to ask them to go do it again for the same period of time. Like I just don't see that happening. What, what about you, Nico? Any, anything strike you as, as good ideas, bad ideas for this restart? Well, I know with, um, FC Dallas, they sent a survey out a couple probably last week or within the past two weeks asking about, um, what fans would be, what they kind of would look for in FC Dallas's return. So they kind of talked about, do you like crowd noise or not? Would you be willing to go to a game? Um, and things like that. And as Jonathan mentioned, FC Dallas is one of the few teams that are allowing fans to return. And they've kind of put out their plan on how they're going to do it, emphasizing social distancing, emphasizing that masks will be a requirement. So, and, you know, uh, in Texas, we're, we're really proud of our sports. I mean, da- Dallas is, of course, everyone's kind of gearing up, to, uh, wondering about the NFL. But um, the return of sports, I know a lot of people are excited about uh, for that to come back. Um, with North Texas SC kind of starting up their season, there was a, a sizable crowd for the first game. But for uh, this uh, past home game, not so much. Um, could it be weather? Could it just be because people aren't comfortable being outside? Um, well, that, that's kind of more on an individual fan basis. But I think that FC Dallas in particular is trying to make the best of the situation. And yes, it is a business and um, they, they do get some sort of revenue through ticket sales. Um, it, it's, it's a pandemic, so it's, uh, a lot of it is uncertain. And you kind of mentioned, Dustin, that there was mentions of doing another bubble um, in in an ideal world, that would probably be the uh, best situation. But just kind of talking to Lucci and the players these past couple of weeks that they've been back, there's a different mood about them just being able to be home um, with their families again and seeing uh, pictures of some of the teams that have just recently got back home from the MLS bubble. You see, um, like LAFC, they showed some pictures of the players uh, reuniting with their families and it, it kind of being away from their families does take a toll on these players on it we, we kind of say it a lot that it can be easy to forget that these guys are human but um they're hurting just like a 
just like all of us, uh, they may be going through difficult situations. So it, it's it's really hard to kind of easily say, okay, well, this is the right path to go. But um, it, I think uh, FC Dallas is just trying to make the uh, best of the th- that they can in the situation. And it's just great to have uh, the season coming back. Yeah. I I think... As far as fans in the stadium goes, let's let's pivot and talk a little bit about that. For me, if you're gonna go out, like that's like seems like one of the safest places. Like you're outside, and you're away from other people. Um, it seems on the surface, on the surface, like if you're gonna go out and do something, that seems relatively low risk, unless like you're not smart about getting in and out of the stadium and. Um, you know, going through ticket counters and all of that stuff. Like, but just the act of sitting in a stadium, you know, a couple of rows away from other people with masks on outside in the Texas sun seems to me relatively low risk on the surface. That being said, I'm not going. Um, <laughs> but uh, what what are the what things do you think, or what things did they announce, Jonathan, that they're going to be doing for setup and and other things like that with the stadium? Uh, so they've they've divided the the stadium into I think it's two zones maybe it's three <laughs> I know it's at least two where um, you're not allowed if you're in zone one or in zone two to go into the other zone so it's the I think it's the the east side and the west side is how it's divided um, each area has separate parking areas as well as separate entrances so the one thing they're trying to do is they're trying to almost i'm going to use the word bubble create kind of two small little bubbles inside the stadium right to um, to reduce the amount of time that people would have to maybe walk all, let's say you walk in the, come in the West side and have to walk all the way to the East side or vice versa, vice versa based on your gate. Um, yeah. So kind of almost just make sure, normalize the crowds so that you don't have a whole bunch of people going on one side and then nobody on the other side, just like get people to go in the side that they're assigned and then go straight there and be done. Yep. That's, I mean, that's definitely part of it. The, the other thing, and this is, this is the one that I've kind of been scratching my head on uh, is so we ex- we expected to see. I expected to see um, just based on. I talked to some people within DVG a little while ago, and they were saying uh, that originally they were saying that they would have at least a minimum ten feet separation between the supporters group members in this the field. So when I saw okay, the first six rows closed on the uh, west side, which. For those who don't know your directions, that's the side that the the players and coaches and stuff are on. There's the that, main stand. It's it's the main the main stand. That 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 made a bit of sense to me. Six, maybe a bit too many for ten feet or whatever you're trying to to, to build. But I kind of understood that the part that really jumped out to me, and I'm it, I'm struggling to find a reason for, is on the east side where there's 31 rows. Uh, the first 15 are closed, so they've cut the east side capacity in half. So hmm. that's a pretty significant change. I, I I've been racking my brain to try to figure out what the what the purpose would be, um, but it almost seems like it would cause more. Uh, I guess re- reduce reduce your ability to spread the fans out because you've effectively cut your seating capacity on the on the east side in half. I'm just thinking out loud here. Maybe it has to do with the number of gates. 
that they have on that side and they just want to limit the number of people on that side to limit the number of people going through the same gate because they just have that one gate if i remember correctly in between like the barbecue place and the other um the coney dog place Depends on how they divide the gates on the ends. So there's there's the one on so on the east side. There's the one by the uh, the fan store. So there's a there's a gate there as well, and then there's also a gate on the south side ne- ne- to the uh, right next to the um, Hall of Fame. So there's yeah, there's I don't know, gates I'm just trying to help you find a reason. Maybe. Yeah, I did. <laughs> well, I mean, I mean to me, I I, I I get limiting the the number of people, but you would think you'd want to spread them out as much as possible. So open as many rows as possible to have those people be able to have proper distancing between them. So that's that's the piece that I've just maybe they out. just want people to sit in the blaring sun to kill the virus right there <laughs> and then and there. There you go. Yes, we all know, we all know that Corona can't uh, can't withstand the the Texas sun, so we're good. Yeah, those that top section is the one that stays in the sun the longest too. So, so, so Nico, are you <laughs> curious? Are, are you going to the match on Wednesday? So I will be going to the match on Wednesday um, in a reporter fashion, trying to produce that content. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, oh, I'm also interested to see, like you're saying, Jonathan. Um, I know that right now it's it's all kind of fuzzy. Seems like there's a lot of a lot of haze right now in some of these questions, and hopefully, come the first game, we'll get some answers to that. All right, so Jonathan, you mentioned the DBG, which is the Dallas Beer Guardians supporter group. Um, the The beer garden itself is closed, and I believe the Beer Guardians just put out a, a a statement saying that they are pretty much suspending all of their gatherings for for the foreseeable future. Is uh, is that is that right? Yeah, it's what they what's what they put out on Twitter. I know that the they had been talking to the front office for a couple of weeks around what options were available because they they knew there's there's really I mean the beer garden there's there's no way that you can do um, you know, space in between people right and actually you know, I mean unless, unless somebody from DBG or El Matador or somebody wanted to to try to enforce that which doesn't seem like a good idea on bleachers with a bunch of people drinking that just <laughs> doesn't sound like uh, you're going to be successful um, okay so, Karen. <laughs> the uh so my my so i know that they, they had talked about it for a couple of weeks uh, i think it was either the day before so today is sunday i think it might have been on friday they released a, an official statement on twitter i mean the i'll i'm not gonna read the whole thing but a couple of key sentences so the uh dbg officers made the extremely difficult decision that in the interest of safety for the group we will be we will not be hosting tailgates or organizing watch parties upon FC Dallas's return to play. And then further on in their statement, it said, if you feel comfortable returning to Toyota Stadium, we encourage you to go cheer on FC Dallas. So basically, uh, there's no official functions being run by DBG. Obviously, members are individual people. They can go do what they want. Um, and so if people want to do that, uh, they, they can. Uh, El Matador has not sent out uh, an official uh, notice. I know that their plans right now are to uh, re- almost do what, do what Nico said. They're gonna they're gonna go on Wednesday. Um, obviously, they're not sitting in the in the beer garden. I think they're still trying to figure out where they're going to be working with the front office. Uh, but they're gonna go Wednesday and kind of see how it goes, and then make a decision based on that first game day 
on what they what their future plans are for El Matador matches. No, that's that's smart. Um, I mean, if you're gonna try it, at least have give yourself the option to to say, nope, this ain't gonna work. Let's 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 be done with this. So, all right. Well, that is the skinny on the supporters group um, groups. Another big big FC Dallas news is that FC Dallas MLS and Jesse Gonzalez have cut ties. Um, Jesse's gone, and. We, we kind of saw it coming. We kind of knew the writing was on the wall. Um, we we uh, reached out to the Frisco Police Department and got a hold of the the essentially the the report of of the the incident, the incident report, and we put we put a um, kind of we put it on Twitter. Kind of took out some of the personal information, but if you want to go look at it, I'm not going to read it here, um, just because. We're done. He's gone. So what, what's the point? But if you are interested in, in seeing what the police report is, you can go look on our Twitter. Um, but yeah, so Jimmy Maurer is the number one now. Um, and behind him is is uh, Kyle Zobeck and uh, is it Carlos Aviles? Yes. Yeah. So gentlemen, any any parting thoughts on Jesse Gonzalez? Nico, we'll start with you. Um, I just got to say that, uh, I'm sure, uh, we all wish Jesse the best, um, unfortunate circumstances given what's happened, but, um, uh, hopefully he just, uh, moves on from this. It's, a a, a chapter in his story and, um, hopefully he just moves on and, uh, uh, just wishing him the best on that. And it, uh, I mean, I I would agree with what Nico said. And I think that we, that was kind of what me and you thought Dustin when it first came out, which was, I mean, right move, suspending him right now. It's final. It sounds like it was um, from what I've seen so far, it was a decision by MLS, not based on a specific decision by the club. Uh, I think it was something that was actually pushed by uh, the legal department of MLS. Um, Obviously uh, from a playing perspective, uh, Jesse had some fantastic shot topping, sh- shot stopping capabilities, uh, and sh- and and chart topping. He he was a great singer uh, <laughs> and tot shopping. <laughs> that, that too, yeah. Going to go buy some tater tots. Uh, so uh, uh, the the club will miss his uh, athleticism, uh, but obviously it was it. Uh, there's no question it was the right decision to, to make. So yeah, I have no. I have no qualms with or problems with how FC Dallas and MLS handled it all. I think, um, you know, they've been in this situation before um, and handled it the way they said they should handle it. And everything went according to the procedures and and things laid out in the MLS charter. And, and unfortunately, we now find ourselves looking for a, another a, a peer for for Jimmy Maurer and it looks like if you if you believe um, Brazilian media it looks like FC Dallas has actually signed a loan for a new keeper Felipe Melgiaro Melgiaro there we go uh, good good news is he only goes by Felipe so uh, I won't have problems here on out but um, Nico what do you know about that loan um, from face value, it, it 
seems to make a lot of sense. It kind of has Andrea Zanotta written all over it. The the Gremio yeah, ties. From Gremio, yeah. yeah, the Gremio ties are there. I mean, we've seen it with Brisson coming from Gremio. Um, it, uh, on face value, it makes a lot of sense. Um, not to cr- not to discredit Jimmy Mao. I mean, Jimmy Mao is a a fantastic goalkeeper as well. Um, and to to be able to have someone pushing Jimmy Maurer as well is would um, would be excellent. That's not to discredit Kyle Zobeck. I mean, uh, he had a wonderful performance in the USL League One final in 2019. But at that given age, um, I don't I don't see him as being a person to contend for the number one spot for FC Dallas. And Carlos Aviles is also a young player as well. I also don't think I can see him pushing for minutes against Jimmy Maurer. So to have a player come in and to push Jimmy Maurer for minutes, just to keep that competitive edge at that position going, uh, I think is also really good. And FC Dallas has been fortunate with having some quality goalkeepers in Kevin Hartman, Dan Kennedy, uh, Chris Seitz. I mean, a couple seasons ago, you had the Chris Seitz, uh, Jesse Gonzalez battles right there. So those were good. So to, to, to be able to bring in another uh, shot stopper that has the possibility to challenge Jimmy is a is a good one. Yeah, no, it's definitely you definitely want to bring in somebody that's that can at least challenge him and and give him that you, you, that thought that if if I don't perform well, this other guy is going to come in and perform well. It's not like the spot is yours right off the bat and. Having someone like that, absolutely that that competitive, Nate, that competitive um, competition, competitive competition. There's some repetition. Um, it it makes everybody involved better. Um, the the thing about this loan that kind of can kind of right now it's being reported as a loan. The thing that's also being that's reported that kind of makes me question what's going on here is that it was also reported to be a $2.5 million loan. Um, that seems absurdly high for a, for a loan. Yeah. That was the, that was the buy clause. So it oh, was, a, it was a loan okay. at the end of 2020. There's a $2.5 million buy clause as part of the loan. That's what was reported. Okay. Well, that's why we keep you around, Jonathan. <laughs> um, what's I mean, Pedigree-wise, I mean, I, I, I've not seen this guy play at all, all Felipe, so I'm not going to pretend like I, I have first-hand knowledge. He's Let's get on YouTube. He's, uh, um, you know, he, he played for the Brazilian national team in the U20, I think 12 times, started. Uh, he's played some at the U23 level, but part of it is he's he's a kid himself, right? So Nico was talking about, you know, uh, you know Carlos and some of those other people, but, uh, you know, Felipe's 21, right? So he's... He's he's a young player. Uh, I'm assuming he has good athletic capability. Uh, I'm I'm kind of it's it's a loan. It's if it does push Jimmy, if it does, you know, plug a hole, then it's worth something. If it doesn't, uh, then you know, no 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 big loss. My what I what I wonder myself is where is he going to prove himself out? Right. So if we do bring in Felipe, where's he going to play? Right. Is yeah, pushing pushing Jimmy is one thing, but how do you make a two point five million dollar decision based on what you see in practice? Well, we will have a lot of matches back to back, and so there will be a lot of opportunities for people to um, get 
get in games when they wouldn't normally ought to just because there's going to need to be some rotation. However, keeper, keeper is one of those exactly. yeah. really not a super demanding physically, like I guess we'll call it cardio uh, position. So, but I, I guess Lucci now has five subs so he could swap the keeper. That would be, that'd be interesting. Yeah. You never, you never see that uh, <laughs> uh, in a professional game, but that would be uh, one interesting thing. And I don't know, I don't know Nico what you would think. Cause um, I mean, right now, uh, NTSC has two keepers, right? They've, they they signed that guy from uh, with a Z. I can't remember his name. From, uh, yeah. Uh, so they've they've got basically two keepers. Um, you know, does he potentially get time down in NTSC to try to get some of those reps? Yeah, it, it's interesting. It, I think the two point five million price tag just comes from the fact that he, a he's with Grêmio, he's twenty one, so it's it's a hey, you're paying here. This is an investment type of signing, and from that viewpoint, it's like okay, uh, that does make sense. But we kind of need a a quality backup goalkeeper or a quality number one goalkeeper at the current moment. Um, so use someone right now. Yeah. So Luis Zamudio with North Texas, he's 24 coming from, uh, Club America. You got Carlos Aviles, who I think is either 20 or 21 himself. Um, so now you're going to have two 21 year old goalkeepers. Um, you could, a very optimistic approach is saying, okay, well, uh, this is just doing a quick Google search. I have no idea if this source is accurate, but it looks like he has 180 minutes in the domestic league this year. Um, so not a lot of playing time. Uh, granted, we did have a pandemic, so that probably did cut into his playing time. Yeah. But as Jonathan was mentioning, a lot of it was playing with the uh, the youth Brazil team. Um, so could this also possibly be a just scouting opportunity for FC Dallas, that this is possibly a goalkeeper that they did have eyes on, maybe. Um, but it, it's it, if it was a if it was a all everything is fine, it kind of makes sense. And okay, this is a, a scouting situation. These are people that FC Dallas are just looking for as a quality goalkeeper. Or from what he's already has shown, he already may be a quality player. I haven't seen any film on him. I haven't done any research on him, but. Um, I, there does seem to be a lot of question marks about uh, immediate impact. I don't think there there would yeah. be too many questions about long term impact given his age, him playing at Grêmio, him having uh, what looks to be a regular in the Brazil uh, side. Yeah, I think it also kind of speaks a little bit to the Aviles experiment that they just did. I mean, they just kind of signed him on a homegrown contract, brought him in. And then pretty much said, no, we're going to take this other guy over here that's your same age and we're going to bring him in. So it kind of speaks a little bit maybe to maybe Aviles's performances in training or his ability to really kind of command at an MLS level. So, well, I mean, obviously he's got plenty of time. Keepers kind of age differently than, than uh, outfield players, but... Uh, not not looking good right off the bat for for Carlos. Yeah, the the only other piece of insights that I saw um, from uh, El Chico Carmona, who writes for Big D Soccer, uh, he had some notes that 
Now, what he's hearing kind of unofficially from some people within uh, are that are aware of the situation uh, in in Grimio is that one of the reasons why they're looking to move him is his height. He's just a smidge over six foot, so he's like six foot and like a quarter or a half or something like that. Um, and that they're they traditionally like to have you know bigger keepers. If you think about you know Jesse six foot four, Maurer six foot two. I mean, it's not like it's a huge drop off, but that's that is one of the one of the things that although he's got good uh, athletic ability and shot uh, stopping talent, I think that's one of the negatives that they have listed on him is just he, maybe he's a little bit undersized for a. Brazil uh, Brazilian top flight keeper. All right. We're going to take a quick break, and when we get back, we'll give a preview to the Nashville games in Toyota Stadium coming up this week. All right, so Nashville coming to town. Wednesday and Sunday, two games right in a row. Um, it's one of those teams where we don't quite, we generally like to give a little bit of opposition research and kind of give an idea of what to expect and some players to watch for um, with the opposition. But Nashville has two games under their belt, a whole two ever MLS games. So, not a whole lot to work with in, in, in data. They call that a small sample size. Um, <laughs> and so, you know, I can't, I, I, I really feel sorry for the people having to actually scout them. <laughs> um, it's because a like for FC Dallas, because a is they don't have much to fall back on and B who knows what, how people are going to come out after they've had this, this long layoff, you, you know, who knows what they've been working on and behind closed doors. Um, but we're going to do our best here on the Dallas soccer show. Like we always do for you. Um, well, Nashville started out pretty poor. Uh, they had a, they're Oh, and two and they lost two to one against Atlanta to open up the season. And then they lost one to nothing over Portland, a Portland team that wasn't looking even that great to start the season. Although their their MLS is back performance. They're, they're in the final, right? So um, kind of hard to tell on, on that one. Uh, they've Nashville has scored only one goal in their entire MLS existence. Uh, trivia time. Who scored that goal? I'll let you take it, Nico. I know the answer. Okay. I was going to say, if, if, Walker, if you know it, I was going to say Walker Zimmerman having that lone goal in Nashville SC MLS's time history. Here's, here's yeah. the, uh, here's the, the, the secondary trick question. Did he score it with his head or his foot? Ooh, I want to say it was off the corner. So um, it was off I'm, the corner. I'm, I'm getting a signal. <laughs> I'm getting a signal from uh, your host that it was off the header. I think it was actually started on his head and then it fell to his foot and he kicked it in. Oh, so it is a trick question. question. There you go. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yes. <laughs> trick question. Somebody kicked his head into the ball. There you go. Yes. <laughs> um. So... So as far as tactics or anything like that, uh, the first two matches they lined up in a four-two-three-one with FCD alumni Dom Baji up top, playing the lone striker role, uh, with with three players sitting kind of behind him in the attacking midfield uh, slash wing roles, and and I think if I took anything from what I've seen about Nashville is that 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 they've got three players 
sitting behind Baji and, and FC Dallas, if they want to be successful, they're going to have to figure out a way to kind of break up their play. Those three midfielders, I think, are going to be the the linchpin, if you will. It's uh, Randall Leal, Hani Mukter, and David Akam. And those those three, I mean, I think there's potential there. And I think that if, if those three start clicking and are able to find Baji post, like, poaching up top, um, then then they could cause some FC Dallas some trouble. Overall, I, I'm not like super super worried about them from what I've seen, like as a whole, the team as a whole. But you never know. Like we're both we're both coming back from months long layoffs. Nobody's going to be sharp, and it could be one of those matches where it just the the random ball bounces kind of determine what's what's happening. Or it could come down like that first match against Philly, where FC Dallas relied on some individual efforts to, to really kind of pull them over the line. So you guys have any thoughts on, on Nashville or what you expect from Nashville coming out of, out of the quarantine break? I I think that uh, what you've said, it's, it's tough to tell. They played two games. They've scored one goal. Uh, I think that although, I mean, we're, we're familiar with Baji, right? So I think that there is a risk, right. Of some, some runs, you know, behind hedges and and uh, uh, Ziegler, but historically, you know, really, Baji has done pretty well against FC Dallas. He has, yes, he at Colorado. Yep, and then uh, was a David Akam is their other uh, their other forward, right? That that sits up there oftentimes with Baji. I think Baji technically plays on the wing, um, but oftentimes, like we saw at FC Dallas, right? He even if he was a winger, he plays more centrally, plays a bit more like forward, so. I I'm expecting not to see a lot, especially as they as they play here their first match. Um, I, I expect they're going to take a very defensive posture. So I'm not I'm not. I don't think we're going to see a really high score line, and I know we'll get into predictions later. But I I'm expecting at least for the first game or two that they're going to sit back and look for opportunities to strike on the counter. Yeah, kind of echoing off of what you're saying, Jonathan. It, it's 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 only been two games for both sides. There's a lot unknown about uh, how things are going to play out. Um, naturally, this very long break really threw wrenches into a a lot of teams' plans. Um, in terms of Baji, we kind of know that from his time here. I think the individual matchups will be uh, interesting to watch. If Thiago Santos is going to be our holding midfielder, um, it'll be interesting to see what the center backs will have to do to contain Baji as well as the wing players and to see the impact that Santos will have um, there. Um, and like you guys said, I, they, these teams will kind of be looking for some sharpness. Um, I know that with uh, Lucci's team, they might not sit back and look for opportunities because that's just not Lucci's play style as well. Lucci wants to play a very uh, a high-tempo game, a direct game. Mm-hmm. He wants to create those opportunities, not just wait for them to happen. And for, for me, it's just fresh fresh in my mind because of uh, the North Texas SC game. But Eric Quill was mentioning after the game that with this long break, these teams... um, these teams are really going to be looking for match sharpness. Um, While he was proud of Eric Quill, while he was proud of his players for coming back, 
Um, he goes, we're lacking sharpness. And it's really a matter of which teams can get match sharpness quicker. And he goes, and part of the reason why these first few games are going to be like this is because we didn't get to have those four to five to six to seven preseason games. Um, and so we're finding our match sharpness within the regular season. And he goes, you've seen it across all, all over the leagues here in the U.S. and in Europe, uh, teams returning back. And that, I think, is part of the advantage of playing in the MLS back to tournament is that even with those first three games, you get to build up that match sharpness. You get to build up, um, just get back into the rhythm of playing competitive games. So I don't think we should necessarily expect too much looking at a team as a whole because these guys are going to be trying to get back into getting put uh not saying that they don't have the 90 minute match fitness but they're going to be looking to just get back into playing a competitive game there's going to be mistakes and like dustin was saying um kind of in those first two regular season games fc dallas had to rely a bit more on individual players uh creativity and skill and i think that will be the case for these at least first two games when nashville's down here yeah for all intents and purposes we're looking at preseason games that that actually count for points, just like the, the the ones in the group stages of the tournament. So, yeah, and I think Nico, you pointed on some pointed out something really interesting, right? Because um, when we look at the type of uh, the style of FC Dallas, uh, which is similar to NTSC, which is a possession oriented team, right? Uh, I wonder if a team that we go against like Nashville sitting back and playing on the counter is actually a better strategy. You know, on paper you may say, Hey, FC Dallas getting to play Nashville three times. That's an advantage, right? They're a, a, a brand new team that's never won a game, right? That should be, you know, easy wins or easier wins than playing somebody else in the West. But I mean, I wonder if Lucci's going to play his style, right? Lucci's going to, Lucci's going to play a possession oriented, uh, approach and so if you know we come if they come against nashville who's you know potentially going to be playing uh looking for those uh those opportunities to come on the counter and that may be uh advantage to them right just knowing rustiness right uh it only takes you know one one bad pass right um to to have that counter that break go against you uh and if if you're sitting back and playing defense right getting getting that goal uh could you know? Couldn't you know? Could easily be the goal of the game, right? So, no, I think you're you're onto something there, Jonathan. Because I think if you look back at FC Dallas, they've traditionally done really well in the past, at least under the Oscar Pereja years. They did really well in the first first couple months of the season, playing that same style and letting the game come to them, and then not breaking on the counter rather than trying to force an issue or trying to get too cute with the ball. And I think that's. I think you're right. I think that has a lot to do with why there's been so much early season success under with that kind of style. I think those you guys bring up a good point about um, saying how FC Dallas might sit back a bit more. And I think that might be the case just because, um, as we've seen all over the world, as uh, soccer has been returning, is fitness is going to be extremely key for these players. And I know that during a normal season, we talk about, okay, well, I mean, right now we're in August um, and how FC Dallas typically will have an advantage of playing in the heat. Um, but but we're talking about professional athletes that know how to train and prepare their bodies for this situation. 
But I think this time that the Texas Heat kind of might be in an advantage for FC Dallas in this situation just because the guys have been training up here ever since ever since March, ever since um I mean they live here. This is this is where they play. And we've seen in Orlando that the heat has been a, been an issue for some teams down over there. Um and with some teams coming to play in North Texas and, and I'm referencing North Texas a lot because that's off the top of my mind and they've been that's all we've got here, Nico. That's all we've got. <laughs> but some of the teams, uh, just in last night's game, some Chattanooga players were, it would appear to be cramping up or struggling in the heat just because, again, they've been so long without playing games. And Lucci did mention, um, in, in one of his press conferences, I got, I asked him, I was, I asked him, are you, ta- are, is there an emphasis on, on the players being a bit more careful in training or trying to play through pain. I know last season Paxton was playing through some groin pain and, and these guys want to play. It's in their, it's, they, they love this game. They don't want an injury to sideline them because you know that it's also their job. If someone else comes in and does their job better, well, now they're on the bench and they got to compete for that. But I asked him, is there a bit more emphasis on trying to taking care of yourself? And he goes, well, um, because we've been preparing the players for these quick succession of games. I mean, it, it kind of off the top of my head, it looks like this FC Dallas is going to be playing a game about twice every week. So that, that's, that's really quick for these players. And again, coming off of from such a long break. But Lucci's also been preparing the guys working through these. Said so we're building up these match fitness. We're replicating um, these situations in training from going to 60 to 65 to 70, all the way up to a 90-minute game. So... I, I think you guys bring up a good point in that FC Dallas might sit back a bit more or maybe not necessarily sit back, but play with such of an intensity knowing that fitness is going to be key, that they're going to be playing a lot of games in quick succession. And they, they have to take care of themselves for the, uh, for the remainder of the season to make a, a deep run. Yeah, well, speaking of deep runs and um, how about this is for a segue from forwards, deep runs from forwards, uh, FC Dallas kind of has a, a bit of a, a player personnel conundrum. They've got, actually got a couple places on the field where there might be some some good key personnel battles um, to look out for. And, you know, up top is, is probably the primary one to watch out for, in my opinion, I think uh, it's the easiest one for these matches, though, because uh, Franco Hara has been has not been playing with the rest of the team. So when we've talked to Lucci the last couple of weeks, I know last week Lucci was saying that uh, he was he had picked up a slight injury, and was playing more on the side. Nico, I know it sounded like they had progressed a little bit uh, this week, right? But I, I don't expect to see uh, Franco. Not in the eleven. Uh, he might not even be in the eighteen this week. You don't think so? Not even not for either match. Not not for either match. No, I think that uh, well, he might make the eighteen in the second match, right? Because but but I expect if a second striker comes in, it's going to be Ricardo. All right, Hara watch. Shall wait. Wait. Maybe most likely waiting waiting uh, another week or so. I don't know, Nico. If you disagree with that, but uh, that's I think that it was Lucci was was pretty clear that uh um yeah he was going through his own progression yeah 
in with uh, Franco, you kind of have to. He's coming coming from Mexico. He's so used to the style that he's that they've played at Pachuca. He's got to learn this new style with Lucci. Um, ever since the Franco Hara signing was announced, it it looked like Cobra had taken his game to a whole nother level. It looked like that had already fired fired him up. I know last season he was kind of struggling for good chunks until the end when he found his goal scoring form. But just even this season, it looks like he kind of stepping it up a notch knowing that he has competition and i'm interested to see that uh if there might be a formation change i don't know if we have time to talk about it but i would like to see maybe sometime throughout the season of a two striker system to see how cobra and uh how to play against each other i know that cobra seems to really like to occupy the back line um Hada kind of tends to roam a bit more, or at least at Pachuca he did. And so they can kind of feed off of each other right there. But um, like you were saying, Jonathan, what Lucci's been mentioning is Franco's been going through his own thing. I don't think he would exactly start. Or if he does, it's all, it also could just be a rotation thing. I think Lucci also knows that, and again, going back to the whole match fitness thing, he's got to manage his players um, if FC Dallas has a comfortable lead, well, then maybe he, you'll start to see, okay, uh, Franco will come in just to get minutes. We'll start seeing some players just to get minutes, just to, again, build up those, that match fitness in a competitive scenario. But I think it might be some time before we see uh, Hara and Cobra really going at each other. If one, if the striker position, if there's only going to be one striker position, I think it's going to be some time before we see those two guys really going at each other for a spot. For sure. The other the other position that might be a bit of a competitive battle going on would be who who which one of the youngsters gets in the squad um, between Jesus Ferreira and Paxton Pomichol. I know um, you guys over at Third Degree have have written about it a little bit, Nico. Just real quickly. It, if you had to put your guess on if it, if it was one of those two, who who do you think we should see on Wednesday and Sunday? If I was Lucci, I would probably say Paxton um, over Jesus in terms of a tactical setting. But um, I'm not Lucci, so. No, I would agree. Um, I went back and watched the first two matches on my vacation the past, this past week. Because I was out of market, I could actually watch the ESPN replays. Um, and while he had some good moments overall, I think Jesus just kind of got lost in some of those matches and the decision-making was, was just not as sharp as it was towards the middle of last year. It felt like the game kind of left him towards the end of last year and even at the beginning of this year. So, I mean, I think that if, if it comes down to those two, assuming Fafa Pico is, has that and, or, Santi have that left wing on lock and Barrios has that right wing on lock. Then that, that middle spot um, or that, that uh, advanced midfielder, I think would probably go to in my books to Paxton. It's, it's, it's hard to know because we don't see practice, which mm-hmm. I miss. Yep. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I think we both expected Paxton was going to start in New York city, mm-hmm. um, which, you know, was the game that was, <laughs> about to be played right before uh, we all went into lockdown. So uh, I, I would, I would choose Paxton as well. I think that it's, it's his, it's his time to come up, 
give it a shot. He's supposed to be 100% healthy. That's what I've heard. Uh, and so, yeah, I, I I think that he might be a better fit in that whatever that is, three eight ten what whatever want to whatever want to call that position. Um, so let's 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 give him a shot. Hopefully, Lucci pulls uh, pulls the Paxton card out when he when he starts on uh, Wednesday. You know, I, I was just thinking about this uh, about that midfield, and there's a battle that I think that we <laughs> it might be more interesting than we thought. Uh, now that Acosta is healthy, does does he get the start over Tanner Tessman, who had who looked really good in those first yes. two matches? I think yes. so. I think he does. Okay, put it to bed here. All righty. All right. Well, now on to my favorite part of these match build up shows. I know Jonathan doesn't like him because like it because we, we have to put him on the spot. But let's do some quick predictions here. Uh, first match: FC Dallas or Nashville, and by how much? Nico, we'll start with you <laughs> since you're the guest. Oh man, predictions, interesting. Uh, I don't know. There, there's a lot, a lot of question marks, just a lot of uncertainty. But if I were to have to give a scoreline, um, just, just kind of being very familiar with the project that's going on at FC Dallas right now, I would think I'd lean a bit more towards FC Dallas's favor. The scoreline. Mm, Let's let's go with the two one. I think everyone's a little bit rusty. Uh, I think it's going to come down to some individual performances, but I think as a collective, I think FC Dallas is just a bit more there together as a team. And then the second match. Ooh, second match. Uh, another quick succession. Both teams will have some film on each other. I think Nashville will be a bit more competitive in the second game because they'll have an idea of okay, this is what they're going to do, but. Still, I think I, being familiar with the FC Dallas, uh, I think they also come out again right there. Probably a bit more competitive match. Everyone looking a bit better as a team, but I'm going to go with another two-one score here. Nico, Nico, I think you you just stole my thunder there. That was actually <laughs> my prediction as well. Two, two, two to one <laughs> victories uh, for FC Dallas, and and here's my reasoning. We talked about before the MLS term, and Jonathan, I'm just I'm cutting you. Or I'm going to go first here, give you a little extra time to, to marinate on what you want your predictions to be. But we talked about in the MLS back tournament that one of the keys to having um, you know a good start to the tournament would be how much familiarity do you have with your team that you're going at, into battle with there without a whole lot of you know experience together. Um, and FC Dallas is is pretty. I mean, the core of the team is is the same, my, minus a couple of, of new faces, right? Um, but the the spine is the same. The you know the the heart of the team is the same, and so you know, and, and Nashville's had all of two games together as a unit. So for those reasons, I'm going to say that that FC Dallas wins them both, and but I, I think it's going to be a, a bit chaotic as at the same time. Um, and that's why I, I think they concede at least one um, in each match. I hate to say it, Dustin, but I think that uh, Nashville wins the first match two to zero. Get out! <laughs> I, for 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 some reason, I have a feeling that um, there will be at least one goal in the first half that's going to be a, a counterattack, whether it be Baji or someone else um, coming back and, and making FC Dallas pay. 
Uh, and then Walker Zimmerman gets that second goal close to stoppage time. Um, and it ends with up his being, head or his foot? Uh, with his head. Uh, he does not <laughs> walk. He does not walk away like after the this the Seattle uh, playoff uh, match uh, goal. But um, no, I, honestly, I, I I would not be surprised if FC Dallas loses that first match. Um, but I think they quickly turn around and on Saturday or on Sunday, uh, it goes the other way, which would be like a three zero, right? So two zero loss and then a three zero win. All right. Well, that will bring us to the conclusion of this match build up episode. Is an extra lengthy one this week, just because there's been not been one for quite a while. Uh, Nico, you joined us on like literally ten minutes notice, so thank you so much for for joining us. Uh, where can people find you on the interweb and support you? Well, I would say I'm most active on Twitter. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at NicoMX18. And uh, it's basically my only social media presence. <laughs> <laughs> no Instagram, no grams or books? I have, no, I have an Instagram, but I, it's been... I thought you had a TikTok, Nico. Oh, no, I don't do TikTok. <laughs> That's illegal now. That's illegal. <laughs> Yeah, no, but j- just Twitter, just Twitter. I, my Instagram has not been opened in years. <laughs> Excellent. All right. Well, um, you can read his work at third degree net or third degree dot net rather. Uh, if you like this pod, hit subscribe. You can find us online at dallassoccershow.com on our Twitter is Dallas soccer show at Dallas soccer show. Uh, Jonathan Ross is at Jonathan Ross 12. Did I mess that up? You did not. Yes. I there I went for a long streak when John Jonathan first joined the the show of messing that up. So um glad to know that that's behind us, but thank you so much for listening. Enjoy the show. Let us know online if if you are planning to go. We'd be interested to see what people think of going and then afterwards what what did you think of going to the match? Uh, how how safe did you feel and all that? So um definitely hit us up on Twitter and let us know those things. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.